The following message by Pastor Tim is brought to you by Together in Christ. Each week or each year at youth camp, I do my best to lay out what the students will be going through scripturally, uh, walking them through a process uh, that to me is very biblical and kind of in a biblical theology type of way. So it kind of oftentimes runs the same course, uh, but with different passages and a few different thoughts here or there. This year, our camp theme was just simply the word known, known. And so uh, that, where that comes from is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. This is the love chapter that so often is read at weddings, but has nothing to do with a wedding. But you oftentimes hear it there. But look at verse 12. It says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. Today I just want to go through the five days that we did at camp. Those will be the points of the message this morning. And the first one that we looked at on Sunday was to know of God, to know of God. This came from Psalm 147.5, and you can just listen to that verse. It says, great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. And the focus on that day that we looked at is the fact that God has made himself known to us. He's not a God that we cannot know. In fact, he's a God that we definitely can know and that many want to know. In fact, I would say everybody wants to know. When we look for centuries upon centuries, people have searched after God. Now, some have been off base Definitely. And even today, when we try to search out things on God, there's, there's no lack of resources out there. Uh, you can find them absolutely everywhere. But the problem is we run into all kinds of false information. There's all kinds of false information out there of who God is. It was kind of interesting. I, I wrote our devotionals for us and some of the students came and said, you did not capitalize God here. And so I got to talk to them a little bit about that. I said, we do not capitalize the word God unless we are specifically talking about the God of the Bible. I said, in this case, I'm not speaking specifically of the God of the Bible. I'm just saying people search for God. It's just a God that's out there and they try to to find this God and many people grasp onto all these false gods and claim that they know God or hear from God or all these different things. But the thing that I want us to see today, this morning, in our first point is that God has made himself known to us, and he's done this in multiple ways. One is creation. In Psalm chapter 19, verse 1, it says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. It's very obvious to me, as we look at creation, that we see there is a creator. Now, that has been twisted greatly today, we know, with evolution and different things that have come about, different theories in science, uh, so much so that that's just very natural. When you talk to people, that is what is assumed. But when you really start to look at creation, you see that there has to be a creator, and it draws us to him. We want to to know this God who can can make the sun look as as it does, or who can put everything in order just perfectly so that we have life on this earth. So that we can breathe and just how perfect all of that had to be. It draws us to him. 
then also it's not only through creation that God has made himself known, but we also have his word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. What God has given us in his word is he has given us his story. He's laid it out for us, how things should go, the order of everything, how it should be done. We, we have that clearly played out in scripture as we read it from Genesis to Revelation. He has, he has made himself known to us through his word. That is why it is so important for us to be in his word. It's because that's how he speaks to us is through his word and the, and the truths of his word. And so we must try to know it. We must meditate on it. We must do our best to memorize it. These students this week were given seven different memory verses. I, I say mem seven, it's more than that because some days was multiple within that and they're challenged to, to memorize it. But something that I stress to them is don't put this in your short-term memory just so that you can run to your captain and say it real fast and then forget it. Memorize it so that it sinks into your heart. Because there are days when you are going to, to need this verse. And what God so often does, and I hope that some of you know this, but at times when we're struggling, at times when we're just going through something so extremely difficult, all of a sudden, a verse pops into our head. Has that ever happened to you? All of a sudden, a verse pops into your head and you sit there and you think, man, God, that is exactly what I needed at that moment. And it's because God's word is living. It, it speaks to us. It's, it's what we desperately need. But then scripture also tells us that God has made himself known through his son, Jesus. In Hebrews chapter one, verse one through two, it says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Jesus would say, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. That's what Jesus would say in his own words. And so God has given us his son and has spoken through his son. And so there really is no excuse when it comes to knowing God. When you think about it, Satan himself knows God very well. Knows him very well. Yet he doesn't believe. And so there's a difference there. When when we talked about this section on Sunday, it was just to know of God, to know of God. And so we discussed the attributes of God, some of the things that describe God that we see in scripture, the fact that he is omnipresent, that he is everywhere all the time. There is nowhere that we can go to escape God, it would say in Psalm 139. Nowhere. You can try to flee from him, but you can't. Why? Because God is ever, ever present. And for us as Christians, that should be very comforting. Because no matter where you find yourself, no matter what situation you find yourself in, you can rest assured God is right there with you in the midst of it. Right there with you in the midst of it. But not only is he everywhere all the time, he's also omniscient, meaning he's all-knowing. He's all-knowing. And so he knows everything that is going on. He knows everything that has happened. He knows everything that is going to happen. Nothing ever takes our God by surprise. You, you simply cannot do that. You cannot surprise him. You cannot shock him. You cannot get him to scratch his head and say, hmm, didn't see that one coming. It just doesn't happen. Last night, Jackson wanted to ask me a question and I was like, oh, good, it's a Bible question. I love when my kids finally ask me Bible questions. It wasn't, it was a song question. And I said, I'm out. I don't know the answer to that. He said, well, has this word in the song? I said, okay, ask Pastor Matt tomorrow. I don't know, no idea. 
Well, why don't I know? Because I'm not all-knowing. You can think of the smartest person you can think of, and you, they don't know everything. They might act like they do, but they, but they don't. But we have a God who knows all things. And not only does he know all things, not only is he everywhere all the time, but then he's omnipotent, which means he's powerful enough to accomplish his will no matter what, because he's all-powerful. It will be done. And you have to have all three of those together in order for them to mean anything. Because if you stand there and you tell me I'm all-knowing, but you don't have the power to change anything, who cares that you know everything? You're just a cocky, smarty person. That's all you are. If you're everywhere all the time, but you don't know everything, then you're just somebody who's annoying and around all the time that we wish would leave. See, God is all three. He's everywhere. Nothing escapes him. He knows everything that is going on. And he's absolutely powerful enough to make everything work just as his plan is. That's important for us to know. So God has made a way for us to know him. But then on Monday, we looked at Isaiah 53, verse 6. And it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The theme for that day was to know me, to know myself. We see, yes, God has made a way for us to know him. But God has very clearly laid out in scripture a way for me to know myself. You see, this is a difficult task because when we talk to people, generally, people think they're pretty good. I don't care who you go and talk to. For the most part, people will say, yeah, I'm a pretty good person. I like to do this, or I give to this charity, or I give blood every once in a while, or, you know, when they ask me at Walmart, hey, do you want to give that extra five cents to round it up to a dollar to some charity? I always say yes. I push the yes button on there. I'm, I'm pretty good. And so we think morally we're good. We think ethically we're pretty good. We think spiritually we're pretty good. But when we start to dive into God's word and we start to compare ourselves to the word of God, what we start to see is this simply is not the case. In Romans chapter three, we see that all of us sin, that every person has fallen short of the glory of God, that all of us have fallen short of God's standard that he has for us. As I read in our theme verse, when we look into that mirror, that is God's word and it reflects back our image based off of his word, what we see is something terrifying, that we're sinners. That, that, that apart from, from God, apart from some help from him, if we are to stand before God, we stand utterly hopeless and helpless with no hope at all. That we, we can't lay our sins on somebody else. We, we shared with the students this week, you, you're not gonna stand before God and God say, well, what happened here? And you say, well, my brother provoked me to this. And God say, yeah, you're right. He absolutely deserved it then. That's not gonna happen. Well, well, my boss, you know, he told me that this was gonna happen and it didn't happen that way. And so I got upset. Wasn't it justified anger, God? No. There is no justification for our sins when it comes to ourselves. You cannot do it. We cannot pay the price for our sins to justify us before a holy God. And so as we look at God's word, what we really see is we are sinners and we are running away from God. 
In fact, we are rebelling against God. Some of you here this morning, you might be sitting here and say, but Pastor Tim, I'm, I'm, a, I'm generally a pretty good person. No, you're not. You are a rebel against the holy God. And you serve his enemy, Satan. That's what scripture says, as clear as it can be. That is who we are apart from Christ. And we must deal with that. And so too often we become our own God. We become our own authority, so much so that it's praised in our culture. I was listening to a sermon, a sermon this morning that talked about Frank Sinatra and one of his famous songs. What does it say? I did it my way. And we praise that song. We, we sing that song. Us as men, we put things together our way, don't we? Not the way we're told to do it. We're going to do it our way. And that's praise today. Be who you are. Achieve the goals you want to achieve. Strive after what your heart is telling you to strive after. Can I tell you the end game to all those narratives? Hell. Destruction. Separation. Pain. No hope. No peace. No chains released. When we strive after the things of our heart, all we do is get down deeper and deeper into our sin. But that's why we're thankful for Isaiah 53, verse six. It's because at the end of that verse, it says, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, God has made a way for us in the midst of our sin to have a relationship with him. And this is what we looked at the third day of youth camp. And it was the fact to be known by God to be known by God. And we talked about that in our memory verse, verses for that day was Romans chapter five, verse six through eight. <clears throat> and this is what the kids memorized. It says, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in this, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the good news of the gospel. That when we realize the sinners that we are, we also get to the pages of scripture to where we realize in the midst of our sin, God has made a way for us to know him and that is through Jesus Christ. Because God the Father has laid our iniquity on his shoulders. And so it says, while we were still weak, there's something important to that is this. In order for salvation to take place, you have to understand your sin. You have to. The Bible, the Bible says even in, in Psalms, it says to be contrite. And I talk about that word a lot. I try to talk about that word very often. It means crushed. It means pulverized in your sin. To understand who you are before God until you fall on your face before him saying, God, I am completely unworthy to have a relationship with you completely unworthy to even be in your presence. That's where we must get. But, but listen, that's when we're weak. Because in Romans chapter five, verse six through eight, as I just read, it said, while we were still, what? Weak, Christ died for the ungodly. So there's a lot of people running around today who've never become weak continue to strive on their own. They continue to think they can do it. I'm strong, I'm powerful, I can do this. When in fact, they simply can't. They must realize that Jesus has done this for them. 
And so understanding our sin, we are like the jailer in Acts chapter 16, when everything is going chaotic, he says the phrase that I think all of us need to get to the point to say, what must I do to be saved? He asked Paul, what must I do to be saved? And the problem with that statement is this, you can do nothing. You can't do anything. We just went over that. Bible says even the good things we attempt to do are as filthy rags before the Lord. So what we must accept is we must accept the fact that Jesus has done everything for us. We see our sin and it crushes us. We understand that we have no hope, but then we, then God opens our eyes to the truth of Jesus and we place all of our hope on him. So that to go back to that picture that I set up before, when I stand before God and God's like, well, well, what happened here? Yeah, I punched my brother right in the face. He was being a jerk. Okay, well, what about this? Well, what do you have to say for yourself, Tim? Jesus, that's it. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have sinned. All this sin in my life, God, that you see so clearly, I'm 100% guilty of, 100% guilty of. But God, your word says that if my hope is in Jesus, that that my iniquity has been on his shoulders, that he died for me at just the right time when I was weak, to save me. And so all my hope is in him. It's in Jesus. Think about it. Think of how scandalous this is. Think of, think of what kind of headline this would read. The God of the universe, the creator of all things, dies for his rebellious creation. It doesn't make sense. It shouldn't have happened that way. We deserve that death. But yet God in his great grace Jesus in his great obedience to the Father would go to the cross to take our punishment for our sins. And so the truth of that day was, yes, you are known by God. And for some reason, you're also loved by God in the midst of it. I tried to share with our teens and compare it. I said, think of your best friend and you do the same thing. Think of your best friend. Think of the person you are closest to in the world. I dare say you have things that in your heart that they don't know about. Why? Because it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. You start to think, man, that makes me sound evil. That makes me sound horrible. That makes me sound weak. We can't hide those things from God. But yet God, knowing those things, still loves us, still pours his grace out on us. Well, then the fourth day was to know God to know God, not, not to know of God, but to actually know God. And we looked at Philippians chapter three, verse eight. It says, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. <clears throat> when we start to truly grasp salvation and what that means, what Jesus has done for us, the only response is submission to him. That's absolutely the only response that can happen when we are saved, when we are justified through the blood of Jesus. Our desire becomes to please him, not, not so that he's happy with us, not, not so that he will pour blessings out on us. We don't, we don't wanna please him for those reasons. We want to please him because of what he has done for us and our salvation. The God of the universe dying for my sins? Well, man, the least I can do 
The least I can do is give him my life every single day as long as I have it. That's the least thing that I can do is to serve him and to, and to honor him. And so we desire to do that. And so we shared with our students and I share with you this morning, we should have a desire to grow in him. And the amazing thing is God has showed us in his word how to do that, how to grow in our relationship with him. It's called spiritual disciplines, reading his word, prayer, evangelism, sharing the gospel with people, willing to suffer for the sake of Christ, worshiping him. If you come back tonight, I'm gonna to be speaking more on those things. But when we, when we compare the pleasures of this world to the surpassing greatness, the, just the greatness of what God has done for us in our life, the pleasures of this world should just, should just fade away. And so, and so now all of, our, all of our focus, all of our intentions always are, God, I, I wanna glorify you in everything that I do. I'm not working towards vacation. I'm working to glorify you. If I get vacation, praise God. What a blessing he's given us. We don't deserve that. But God, everything in my life is devoted to you. Every day that I get up, it's, it's your day. Every day that I get up, I wanna, I wanna share the good news about what you have done in my life. I want to let people know the God of the universe died for you in your sin. So save you. Too often we lose that, don't we? As Christians, we lose that. It, it, just, it just fades away in our life over time to where it becomes very natural for us to say, Jesus saved me. Yay. What a shame. What a shame. You know how hurt I would be? Well, I guess I wouldn't be that. If I died for somebody and they forgot me, I'm dead, so I guess it don't matter. But man, I'd be frustrated. Why did I waste my life on you? Why did I waste my life on you if you don't care? Yet so often we do that to the Lord. We must honor him. We must honor Jesus. And the way we honor him is by serving him faithfully each and every day, getting to know him more, being in his words, speaking to him, communicating through prayer, something we must strive and discipline ourselves to do. Then lastly, on the last day, our verse was in 1 Peter 3.15. And that if we know God, if we have a relationship with God, then it becomes our job to make him known. First Peter 3, 15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. As I mentioned, our mission in our life becomes very different as a Christian. We cannot live the way that we always lived. We cannot continue to pursue the things that we've always pursued. Our goals change. Our dreams must change. Instead of making a name for ourselves, we want to make his name known. Instead of leaving a legacy about Tim Michelangelo, I wanna, I wanna leave a legacy of, of the Lord. I, I think it was Spurgeon who said, a good pastor preaches faithfully every week, dies and is forgotten, but Jesus is not. That should be the goal of us as Christians, to, to share the gospel each and every day, to die and be forgotten, but to Jesus' name to continue to be lifted on high. Because to have that desire for us to be known, what does that mean? All of a sudden we start to become God again in our lives. We want some worship for ourselves. 
This is a battle that we face every day. I, I do too. I, I know you do as well. But we strive to be able to share Jesus with the world. We need to study his word to know the truth. It's something that has always bugged me a little bit. I've heard this verse many times about always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you. And the way that people described that to me was just tell them your story. That's not, it's not talking about your story. It's talking about Jesus's story. So you gotta know his story. So you gotta know his word. You gotta know the truths of his word to be able to share it with them. If you come to me and tell me what happened to you, well, good for you. I don't care. Didn't happen to me. Just because it happened to you don't mean it'll happen for me. But you start to tell me about God's story and that God has made a way for me to be a part of his story. Well, that's a different thing. That's a very different thing. So too often as Christians, we say, but I don't know all the answers. You can, I'll buy it for you. Come talk to me. I'll get you one. It's all the answers you need to share the gospel with somebody. Absolutely everything. If you start adding to it, you're subtracting from it. So don't part from this. You have to study it. You have to know it. That's what it means to be prepared in season and out of season. And then I think the last little part of this is very important for us in our culture today. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. The word, the word evangelical is becoming a shaky word to label yourself. Did you know that? I don't know if you guys know that. I don't know how much you follow Christian news and things like this, but there's a big discussion of should we abort the word evangelical? And it's because it doesn't mean what it used to mean anymore. Starting to get very shaky. And so what we have is we have people who label themselves evangelical, but the way that they feel they need to bring people to the Lord is by beating them into sub submission. Just beating them into submission. Telling them how stupid they are. Telling them how dumb they are to not trust in Jesus. To constantly be pushing sides all the time. Can I, can I share with you? That is not the way God has intended for us to share the gospel. It's to buy belittle people or to shun people, or to call people names. It just doesn't work that way. It says do it with gentleness and with respect. The way of the church is to love them to Christ. To love them to Christ. To pour your grace out on them so that they can see that God is a God of grace. Because think about it. Apart from God working some miracle in your life to pour grace out on you, you would be that dumb person who didn't believe. You would be that moron saying those things that are against scripture. That would be you that we would be talking about. But it's only by God's grace that you're not. And so how dare we, how dare we for a second ever approach somebody and not give them grace, not pour out on them mercy, because that's the God we serve, the God of mercy, the God of grace. We wonder why our numbers in our churches, you know, the Southern Baptist Convention's all in a, in a tizzy uh, this past June at the convention. Baptisms are down. Nobody's sharing the gospel anymore. All this stuff, and I don't agree with the things they're saying. I think Christianity's not as popular as it used to be in our country, so naturally our numbers are gonna go down. But also this, 
We have a lot of people in the Southern Baptist Convention who are trying to kick people into heaven. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. We have to love people. We have to show them the grace that God has poured out on us. They need to see that we have hope, that the things of this world are not gonna tear us down. And we're not gonna get in our little cubby hole and go, what are we gonna do? No, we know what we're gonna do. We're gonna suffer for the sake of Christ and it's gonna grow us closer to him. I'm gonna count that as a good thing when I suffer for Christ, Paul would say. Gladly take these lashings, gladly take these beatings because my Lord suffered as well and I should too. Why would I be any better than him? And so this week at camp, we said God is a God that wants to be known, that has made himself known. Is a God that knows you, yet loves you. And you can know him. And if you do know him, then serve him. Then faithfully serve him. Then faithfully go out and strive to be the Christian that God is making you to be. I challenged our students the last day. Uh, I said, I had them all close their eyes and stuff. And I said, you know, if you're willing to today commit to saying, I, I want to be that, I want to be best Christian that God has me to be. I want to strive for that. I know I'm not perfect for it, but that is, that is my mentality. That is my goal. I said, if you, if you honestly say that, I challenge you, you know, just come forward and pray and ask God to help you in that walk. And it was amazing to see many students come forward. I don't know the number, but many students come forward. And I pray and I hope that they were honest. I pray and I hope that it was real in their life, that it wasn't just, oh, they're going, I'm gonna go. I, I, don't, I, don't, I hope it's not that. I often wonder what it would be like if I did that to you this morning. You know? Who in here will honestly say, Jesus, my life is yours and I want and I desire and I'm willing to put the work in to be the best that you want me to be for you, for your sake, for your glory. See, I think that's a hard prayer because it, it's all about getting rid of ourselves and serving him and honoring him. And so this morning, I, I don't know where you're at in your walk with the Lord. Some of you are in here and no doubt you've never been saved by the grace of God. I hope that you'll see, I hope that you've seen this morning through God's word that in the midst of your sin, Jesus came to die for the ungodly, for the ungodly, to die for the sinner, to save the sinner from their sins. And that could be you this morning just by saying, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I trust in you. I trust in you with my life. There's a lot of work that goes into that afterwards, but the Bible says that Jesus will save you when you say that. But what about you, Christian? You've been a Christian a long time and it just naturally rolls off your tongue. Oh, Jesus died for me. Oh, Jesus died for me. Oh, Jesus died for me. Do you feel that when you say it? Do you remember what that means? And are you passionately loving your neighbors and your family so that they see that what God has done for you is real? Are you doing that? That is what is going to win Monroe. Is that a church that will be on fire for the Lord, full of grace, full of hope, full of love for a lost world to bring to them the truth of his word. Are you willing to do that? 
Are you striving to do that? If not, I challenge you this morning to bow your head and really seek after God. Ask him to check your heart. Let's bow together. Let's pray. And then after prayer, we're gonna sing a song. And as we sing that song, I want you to know that that's an opportunity for you to respond to God's word. Yes, I want you to sing. I want us all to be singing, but it is an opportunity for you to reflect on what you've heard this morning and, and to respond to it. Yes, you can come forward. You can do it right where you sit. doesn't matter either way. But take that time to respond. God, I'm so thankful that you've made yourself known to us. You didn't just create and kind of hit the start button and say, all right, go. But no, your word tells us that. You know us so well that you know every hair that's on our head, that you, you care about every minute detail in our life. And God, for those who are not saved through the blood of Jesus, that should be a terrifying thought. But God, for those of us who have been saved by the grace of God, it's a very comforting thought to know that you're there with us, that you love us, that you never leave us, that you never forsake us. Even when we sin and fall short again and again and again, the righteousness of Jesus is still poured out on us. God, I thank you for that. God, help us as Christians to daily be repenting of our sin, to be turning to you, to recognizing that. But God, help us not to walk in our guilt. Help us not to walk in that shame because Jesus has took that for us on the cross. And so God, I pray that we would be people who share love with others, who, who share the good news with people that Jesus has died for the ungodly to save them, to change them to be more like him, the perfect one. God, help us not to back down. You know, when I, when I say the word love, I'm reminded a lot of people take that a, a lot of ways. God, help us not to back down when people are sharing non-truths as if they're real. God, we ask we need to address that. We need to speak to that. But God, again, we can do that in a loving way. We can do that in a gracious way, merciful way. God, I pray that Women, Row Missionary Baptist Church has heard from people in our community. I pray that they, first thing that would come to their mind is those people care. Those people don't judge. Because God, we want to share your grace with people. We want to see lives change to be more like Jesus. So God, I pray that in my life as well. Help me to be more evangelistic. Help me to give people grace and mercy more in my life. God, as a church, as a whole, help us to do that. God, deal with us now. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to a message by Pastor Tim from Together in Christ. This content has been provided to you by Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at mmbconline.org.